Welcome back to Manifestation Queen Radio. I am your host, Brianna Mosier. And on this podcast, it is my mission to bring you the foundational knowledge that you need to start creating and living your dream life. I will be bringing you special guests who are leaders in personal development, leadership, business, relationships, success, and overall making the most out of life. This is your first time here. Welcome. Thank you for being here. My name is Bree. I'm a manifestation and business coach. I teach people just like you how to become wildly wealthy, successful, fulfilled manifestors of their lives. And before we get into today's episode, I'm super excited to announce our sponsor, not surprising if you've been listening to the show, you still have seven days to join the Art of Allowing Abundance and Manifesting Money group program. If you've been loving the show and you want a container, an immersive space for you to transform your money mindset, this is the place to be. I teach all the modules live and there are eight modules. You have lifetime access. It's over 10 hours of content. And it really is going to kick your ass if you're ready to heal your money mindset. This is the place to be. So you can email me, buildingbrie at gmail.com to grab a spot and join us there. Guys, today I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Katie Grimes. Katie is a love addiction coach. She believes in choosing love rather than being chosen. Katie works with women one-to-one to create aligned relationships, which we love here. Katie also has a podcast called Anything for Love, which teaches you emotional, practical, and spiritual tools to identify the ways that you need or want more confidence in your life and relationships. Katie and I actually met, I think because the universe conspired for it. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, Katie, but I found your event. Katie hosted an amazing event in Kittery and I found it on a flyer at a coffee shop where near where I walk my puppy Ollie every morning. And it said something about like creating your dream life or manifest. I don't, one of the buzzwords I love, you know, so I, I pulled off the little piece and within 24 hours bought a ticket to this event where I knew nobody <laughs> and just felt really inspired to it. Katie put on the most amazing event with all these speakers. I, I, the only way I can describe it is to tell you goosebumps, like so many women in the audience crying, getting to know each other, hugging, healing. It was awesome. And so I was enamored with Katie and reached out to her after, um, to let her know how much I enjoyed it. And then when I saw you move to Portsmouth, I was like, I want to be friends. <laughs> so I'm so happy that that happened. Um, yeah, it was, it was so cool. So Katie, tell us about you and your story. Yeah. Thanks Brie. That was such a great intro. And the summit of love really was such a special day. Um, and it's funny because somebody had told me to kick it old school and put some flyers up at, co- at coffee shops. And I was like, <laughs> I had some resistance to it at first. And then now it's nice to know that all that effort and energy I was putting in to it, somebody actually listened. It was me. (laughs) It was you. Um, So you guys, well, uh, you know, thanks for being here. I'm so glad to share my story. And um, I mean, I, I guess the way to describe it best is that 
I was a hot mess when it came to relationships. And about 10 years ago, I just so happened to be living in the seacoast. I was living in York, Maine at the time. And on the outside, I looked like I had such a beautiful relationship. Like the guy I was dating was so handsome. We had been together for years. We had this picture perfect life of the house we were renting and the, um, you know, the, all the cars and this, and the, the corporate jobs and the whole nine. And, you know, what I found was that I felt really emotionally unfulfilled in that relationship. And the ways that it worked, it manifested for me was like, I wasn't really committing to the type of work that I was doing. I was always kind of searching for what my purpose and my passion was. So I always had all these other side projects like teaching bar classes and um, working out and um, running like a, a part-time business for teaching fitness classes. And um, I was also feeling like I was putting all my effort and energy into working out and what I was eating, but I was overweight. And I just kept trying all these external factors to try to make me feel better. And what I found was that um, I was actually one in an emotional abusive relationship and I didn't realize it. Um, and I just thought there's no way that this is happening to me because it's not that he talked, I would rationalize. I'd be like, he's not bad all the time. And I was also constantly blaming him. And so what I found was about 10 years ago, I just decided one day after a really bad incident with him that it was time to change. And I started going to Al-Anon, which is a 12-step program that is international and it's free. And I found that I was deeply affected by growing up in an alcoholic and a dysfunctional home. And I didn't know. I really didn't, I didn't, I really didn't come to terms with my mom's alcoholism until I was 21. I rightfully so, right? Cause I was drinking at that time too. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, to make a long story short, I know we can dive into this more uh, with any questions you might have, but like it wasn't, you know, for the last six years, you know, between well, about five years ago, I realized that I was actually repeating the same mistakes of what I felt were mistakes of being in a relationship with someone who was emotionally unavailable. And I was just tired. And I do my best work for you when I'm tired. And what I, what I mean by that is like when I am fed up, exhausted, tired, mm -hmm. crying, miserable, that's when I know like it's time to change. And I decided to become really good at love. And so five years ago, I committed to doing everything and anything I could to feel more fulfilled, not just in my life, but also in the relationships that I was having in my life, not just, a, not just like a, you know, sexual partner, but mm -hmm. also the friendships and the family members. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a little bit about me. And I'm sure we go so deep into all of those topics, but yeah. And then I'm super stoked to be moving up to Portsmouth. Um, May 31st is when my yeah. first day is. So I'm like, super excited. Oh, you're going to love Portsmouth. It's beautiful yeah. guys. And if you're listening, I moved to Portsmouth about a year ago and, and Katie's moving there now, just an awesome seacoast town, like probably it. my favorite town on the seacoast in new England. I um, would agree. I would agree. Like everything about it, just the water, the people. Yeah. yeah. And, and more importantly, before we digress into a Portsmouth loving fest, which I know we can both do, <laughs> thank you for sharing your story. That's super vulnerable and open and not easy to say to not only people listening to a podcast, but you've, now you've made it your whole mission in your life, right? To teach people how to have these aligned, fulfilling relationships. 
I love that you said you didn't know that you were in it. And even in the family dynamic, you didn't know you were in it. How does somebody start to recognize the dynamic that they're in and know if it's healthy or unhealthy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things for me was how do, how do you feel? I'm an, I'm, I'm an emotional person, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that my emotions swing from being like super happy to really sad or somewhere in between. I just mean like every day I, I act with an intention of how to, does it feel good to me? If I spend time with that person, does it feel good? Do, if I were to eat that sandwich, like, does it feel good? And what I found was that I was incredibly reactive. So not necessarily would I have a burst of anger, but out of nowhere, I might just have complete sadness or feel really unfulfilled with a family member not calling me back. Or how come I didn't get that invite when everybody else did? And to go back to your question around like, you know, what are some of those symptoms, I guess you could say, or characteristics, you know, I I think it was, you know, fear of economic insecurity. It was um, being concerned with what other people thought of me and having their opinions drive everything that I was doing, even if it was just the fear of what they would think of me. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think it was, was I surrounding myself with people who not only would show up when they say they would, but they would say it and say whatever they wanted to say in a loving and kind manner. Mm. And would they keep whatever we said between one another between us? And what I found is that there was a whole list of other characteristics, but um, I found that time and time again, I was just constantly feeling disappointed. Mm. And that's when I realized um, it would be helpful to get to the root of why do I feel disappointed? And somebody mentioned Al-Anon to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we talked about how we met, right? The universe bringing us together. Mm-hmm. I think it was three people said in a per- short period of time, have you heard of Al-Anon? Have you heard of Al-Anon? And I was like, well, no, but yes, let me check this mm-hmm. out. And then as I started reading the characteristics, I was like, yeah, but I'm not really around anybody who drinks or has addiction. Mm-hmm. And then what I've soon learned is there's another program called Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Homes. And that's really centered around these 14 traits of like fear of people pleasing, fear of um, authority figures, you know, things that were just so immersed in my everyday life that I didn't realize that I had been reacting or responding to not getting my needs met as a kid. And a lot of those memories I just didn't have because I blocked them out. And then they became characteristics that I embraced of I'll just... I'll be the one to pursue the conversation with that person. I'll be the one to negotiate my salary. I'll be the one. And so I went into like aggressive, assertive boss mode where other people who may have grown up very similarly might isolate and abandon and feel like, um, and, and lower their voice where my voice got higher. And so I think the commonality between both of those characteristics, regardless of if you're more like me or you're more like somebody who's a little bit quieter is um, the fear of abandonment and the fear of rejection were, were in everything I touched, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's for me was a big one. When I got still and listened, I realized it was bleeding into everything and it felt really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did was I just started with acknowledging that I needed help 
and I needed to get better. Mm, that's so important. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show, but the fear drives you as much as the excitement about what's possible for you, right? We really have those two motivators, pain versus pleasure. And when you start to notice a pattern in your relationship, it's so important, just like Katie messaged, to get get quiet and say, where is this actually coming from? Why am I reacting this way? Right. And I love that you identified it as a reaction. It's not like you were thinking about it and internalizing and saying, how do I want to respond? But it was more just like a snap judgment. And that's kind of how our unconscious patterns show up. And, and I sit here and not high and mighty. I mean, I've been doing this work for the better part of 2020 to find my own points of what are my unconscious patterns in relationships? Where am I reacting? Where am I sensitive? And um, that fear definitely has come up for me before. So I relate wholeheartedly. Only my tendency is self-abandonment. My tendency is like, I'm going to, okay, whatever you need. Right. So I've been working to step into that voice. I, I get it. I completely get it. Um, so if someone's listening and they're relating to that, after they get quiet, if, if it's not abandonment, what else might be a fear that could come up for them? I think it can also be a fear of rejection and a fear of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. That's a big one that I have been working on. Same for the better part of 2020 is, mm -hmm. you know, just because we're in these positions of, having podcasts and coaching other women, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're miraculously cured. For me, yes. I'm teaching women, you know, I'm teaching women, how can you be in a loving and committed relationship without by choosing to be in that loving and committed relationship rather than doing things that make you feel like you're being chosen by that person. Mm. And that if you, and that if you don't say the right thing or you're too much or you're, you know, not pitching in or you're not initiating sex or whatever it may be, then that person's going to get sick and tired of you and he's going to leave or she's mm. going to leave. Right. And so I really try to like identify, like, is it fear of other people's opinions of you? And I think when we like pull all the pieces of all the fears that could be up, it really is underlying the fear of feeling like we're not good enough. And again, I, I mean, I just got out of a session with my breathwork coach and some of the things that we were writing down is really because this idea of not feeling good enough comes from the environment in which we lived in mm -hmm. that told us that what we needed and what we wanted, that it wasn't safe to ask for it. And so I have then projected that learning um, and that anxiety and that worry onto all of my years that I've been alive since mm -hmm. and still process some of that each and every day, mm -hmm. you know, because now instead of it manifesting in my um, relationship with a partner, it pops up in business, right? It pops up in the like, oh no, are my clients going to continue to work with me when their session ends or, you know, and it's, it's mm -hmm. sort of this, when's the next client coming or, Am I, and what I'm putting out is somebody listening to, I mean, I said, that was the first thing I said to you when we jumped on. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's so nice to know that like those flyers I put up, somebody mm -hmm. watched, somebody heard, right? Because that's, that fear, doubt, and insecurity, mm -hmm. I think play a role in our lives every single day. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've had to do is really sit with the fear, sit with the doubt, sit with the insecurity and ask where it's coming from. 
because it comes from somewhere. It doesn't have to be like it came from when I was three. It could be like, oh, my boss sent me a pretty stringent email and I'm not really sure what his tone meant in that email. Mm -hmm. And then we get triggered that we're going to lose our job because if we lose our job, then we can't actually have the life we want. Mm. Um, so I, some, so I work really very closely with my clients on when they're feeling triggered. It doesn't mean that they are crazy. It just means that they're having big feelings. And if we can just take a quick look at where are those big feelings coming from, it will help to soothe that, that chaos, soothe that confusion and not leave a bigger like imprint on other aspects of our life, right? Like mm. it won't self-sabotage, self-sabotage us in any way, shape or form if we can just give ourselves what we need. Mm. Right. You're teaching them self-understanding. Okay. This is here. It's coming up to teach you something, right? What's the lesson or where's the healing available in this? And I also, I love that you said two times, two different times you said, you know, just because we're coaches, doesn't mean our work is done. I think a lot of people who are coaches think, well, you must have it all figured out, right? Well, Katie, you're a relationship coach or a love coach. You must have it all figured out. You must do love perfectly or for your business and money coach. You must have it all figured out and have all the money. It's like, no, there are layers to everything. There's always deeper work. And those insecurities you're talking about, fears, doubts, they don't go away. You know, as you level up in business, like the fear voice is more and more illegitimate because you can kind of say to yourself, well, that's not going to happen. That's a silly fear. Like, of course my clients are going to continue or of course I'm going to hit my 10 K 20 K month, whatever it is. Um, and the same in, in relationships, but any successful person, they, they're not free of insecurity or fear or doubt, like every level, no matter how successful you get there's fear and doubt and insecurity. It's just, you, you start to navigate it better, right? Well, that's what I love about coaching so much is, you know, I share my experience and strength and hope with my clients and, and freely on my social media platforms. Mm -hmm. And I do that because it builds trust, right? If I just showed my community of heart followers that everything is perfect and, and, and that like, I'm in this loving relationship that's really secure and super trusting and the sex is amazing. If I just describe that, I don't get to talk about the times that he jumped off the phone really quickly. And I told myself a story that he was annoyed with me mm, when I he actually that. wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, so I'm like, or I, you know, I might not mention the times that, um, if I, if, if again, I was this type of coach that just pretended that everything was perfect, I might not talk about the fact that, you know, he shits on me for how much food I, how much money I spend on organic food mm -hmm. and that it's actually like a bone of contention in our relationship. So I have taken on the responsibility of just buying the food when we're together because yeah. I don't want to hear about it. I'm going to good, I'm going to eat good food and put it in my body. Mm -hmm. So there's, so I share those stories. I share them in my private one-on-one. -on -one. I share them in my courses. I share them in my free content that I give to people, because I think it, it puts us all in a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And, and now the person who's listening, who is the one who might be sleeping with their boss or sleeping with a married man or 
trying to, you know, actively pursue a relationship and just falling flat on their face or in a loving relationship, but still feeling unfulfilled, Mm -hmm. right? There's so many gamuts of which it could be Mm -hmm. is to like, dude, I've had experience having all of that. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about what's underneath it and what's driving the action of wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. Generally underneath the action is a feeling and Mm -hmm. underneath the feeling is a thought that you have about what it means about you. Yeah. Um, and so I try to share those thoughts really openly and really honestly. Um, and it, I think I've got, gotten that level of confidence with love and relationships because of the work that I have done on myself in 12-step recovery, of the retreats I've attended, um, and just being really brutally honest mm-hmm. because I only want to surround myself with like-minded people who are going to be that honest with me too. Amen. Preach. Uh- we need it. We need that vulnerability, the openness. And from a coaching perspective, I've only ever hired mentors who were that real. I've never hired the perfect poly because I just feel like, well, they don't know my struggle. They don't know that when my, I don't, I can't think, I can think of so many funny things that Chris and I have gotten into little hiccups about. But if he like gets up early when we're snuggling, oh, he doesn't want to be with me. Like Mm -hmm. dumb thoughts that go (laughs) through your head, right? And you have to catch them. Story, that's not true at all. And kind of reprogram yourself. But imagine if you were talking to a coach and they told you, like when you said, hey, I had this, I, I wanted to have sex this morning and he got out of bed and, you know, and now I'm telling myself this story that, oh my God, was my breath that bad or do I smell or, you know, whatever the case may be, or he's going to leave me, right? Mm-hmm. Is being able to have someone on the other side go, so that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. And here's what I realized it was for me, you know, mm-hmm. and then share what it was. And, you know, I always ask the question, is there any truth in what I'm saying for mm-hmm. you? And what I find is, Nine times out of 10, my clients, it gives them the opportunity. That question gives them the opportunity to actually listen to their intuition. Because sometimes the answer is, oh yeah, that does resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I did tell myself that because I didn't shave my legs, my, the person mm-hmm. I'm with doesn't mm-hmm. want to be with me. <laughs> and therefore they're going to leave me, right? Mm-hmm. However, there's also the opportunity for my clients to say, no, you know what feels up for me? It's actually that, you know, you know, whatever it may be. And what's really beautiful that they don't realize they're doing in that moment is that they're trusting their intuition and they're listening to their heart. And so it gets them to practice it more and more to go, oh yeah, no, thanks for being so real. Like that didn't come up mm. for me. This came up for me. Mm, right. So that now they can acknowledge it anytime it happens going forward. It's like, oh, <laughs> there's that there's that funny little voice telling me that I'm not good enough and that he he or she's going to leave me. Yes. Oh, I love that. It's the perfect description of fear versus intuition. And when you're just getting into this self-development work, that's a hard distinction, right? Because your mind is telling you he's going to leave me. He doesn't love me. I'm not attractive, blah, blah, blah. And your intuition might be a totally different story, but if you don't tune in, you don't know. Yeah. You talked about something that I I talk about quite often, um, this uh, concept of faith versus fear. Mm. You know, for faith, when people hear the word faith, they often think religion, but that's not what I mean by this. I mean more of the like the feeling, right? Mm -hmm. So like when we're in fear, we feel anxious, worried, doubtful. Some of you actually, as I'm talking about it, my like solar plexus, like right under my ribs is firing. It's Mm. literally like, it feels like somebody's pulsating underneath. 
it feels awful. I just had to take a breath because I was holding my breath too. So like fear shows up in that way for me. And then physically it shows up with shoulders rolled forward, migraines, stomach problems, the whole nine. Mm. But faith on the other hand is like calming and relaxing and soothing and peaceful. Mm. And like, just when I did that, the, the, my stomach started to release and I, I heard it gurgle. And then like my chest opened, right? And so one of the things that I've been practicing, not just during this time, but also not during the great pause as I'm calling it, but, uh, mm-hmm. but rather like all the time is I make that choice of do I want to be in faith or do I want to be in fear with every mm-hmm. single decision that I'm making or every single story that I'm telling myself. And I always try to come back to faith. Sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like I've been in a whirlwind for the last 48 hours where fear's really been up for me. Mm. And instead I keep going back into the reminder. And so I've had to sit for 48 hours and it's annoying. Mm. I don't want to mm-hmm. sit for 48 hours. I got shit I got to do, Brie. But instead my body and my mind are like, we have something to tell you and we need you to sit still and listen because mm. you're about to grow and something amazing is going to happen. But if you keep moving, you're not going to listen to us Mm. and we have something important to tell you. Mm. And like so much has been coming up. That's been really powerful around my business and also my relationship and more is being revealed too. More is always being revealed, right? Continual process. The body definitely responds. Totally agree. You can feel it all the time. Um, There was something that you said that stuck with me about relationship dynamics. And I I hear this a lot when I get new clients who come to me that are in a relationship where they feel they're in love or, you know, it's a, it's quote unquote good relationship. And I've had that dynamic before where it's good, but not like something's not right. Something's not clicking. Can you talk more about that? You said they're in love, Mm. but they're unfulfilled. And I think this is a really important distinction and maybe, you know, how codependency ties into it too. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Can you just riff on that for us? Of course. So one thing that came to mind is let me identify or clarify what love addiction is, mm-hmm. um, because I think that that will help play a role into um, the question. So what I've identified love addiction as is a, a compulsive need to want to be loved um, by any means necessary. That's why I called it anything for love, because it's like, you know, whether it's seeking attention, affection, you name it. And so when it comes to being in a relationship where we feel unfulfilled in some way, shape or form, and what do I mean by being in a relationship? You could be at the early stages of just starting to talk to someone. You could be, hmm, we're almost there or sleeping together or like we are committed in some sort of partnership. So I'm, I'm including this in all relationships. Is that oftentimes when we say we feel unfulfilled, we often point to an exterior factor. We often say like, I feel unfulfilled in my relationship. So then we question and we go, hmm, is it because he doesn't put things away, you know, after he's used them? And we start nitpicking, right? Mm -hmm. Or we go to the, hmm, I wonder if the grass is greener on the other side. You know, it was really cool hanging out with Noel all those few years ago. I wonder what he's up to. Or like, I wonder what this one's up to, right? Mm -hmm. And especially during this time where things are a little quieter, fear pops up. And so it's like, I wonder what life would be like if like Steve was still kicking around, you know? And so, 
I think it's really important to acknowledge that we all go through that. Okay. What I'm finding is that when I feel like something is unfulfilled in my life, it is because I feel disconnected and isolated from myself. I think a lot of people these days have been saying how disconnected and isolated they feel, but they're not saying the next part of the phrase, which is they are making the assumption it's because they feel disconnected and isolated from others. But the reality is that they're disconnected and isolated from ourselves. Mm. So one of the things, it's a really basic question. You could do this in a journal. You can just sit with it, whatever it is, but ask, ask yourself this question. What do I need? And what I have found is when I break it into something so simplistic, it's often that I'm hungry, Brie. It's that I'm thirsty. It, is, it actually has nothing to do with the relationship. It has everything to do with the basic needs that I'm not giving myself right now. And so I often have asked myself an expression that comes up in 12-step a lot called halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And so when I ask myself that question and then I go, oh, you know what? I am hungry or I am angry or I'm really tired. Once I've addressed all those needs, then I get to go back and ask myself the question again, like, where am I feeling unfulfilled in this relationship? Mm. And it's okay to journal it out, you know, put it someplace safe and write out all the things that just feel up Mm. and it's really important to acknowledge what those, I would call them red flag, right? There are, these are things that are on your heart that just feel like this person is maybe not your person, but then there's all these reasons why that person is. And so I think it's important. Let's just focus on the things that feel like they're not working because sometimes that feels easier. And then start to ask questions. Well, let me say this. Before asking questions, I would first call one to two safe and trusted people and talk it through. I would say that those safe and trusted people should not be the person that you're, that you're writing about. Mm-hmm. I would avoid family and I would avoid like friends that are intertwined in with your relationship. And instead, it could be a coach, it could be a mentor, it could be a sponsor, it could be a therapist, right? Something, someone who's going to say what you say between one another will stay between it and they'll be impartial. And then it feels like you can just, what's on your heart feels heavy. You can just get that out. I would say that is one of the key characteristics of not being in a codependent relationship is get safe and trusted people who you can rely on outside of it. Mm -hmm. And really quickly, it is not selfish to ask for help. It is actually selfless to be able to say, can, can I have permission for 15 minutes to call you? and talk about something that's heavy on my heart right now. And then I would say that the kind of third part of that is really asking questions that allow you to listen for the answers in your relationship. So like one of the things that really bugged me when I first um, was dating my current partner is that I didn't really understand his relationship with his ex. They, They share a child together. And then I also hated that he was not right? He wasn't like working out like I do. And there's a whole list of characteristics I could give you of all the things that were driving me crazy about him. And I got this suggestion and I was like, oh, this is really helpful. I'm going to write down all the things that are pissing me off. And then slowly don't come blazing in hot with these questions. He's like each day or each time you're with them, ask something, you know, like Matt's a smoker and I hate it. 
and I have to, and I have a choice. I can either accept this about him mm-hmm. or I cannot. Katie, me, the old me wants to like, oh, here, try this nicotine patch or, oh, hey, like I noticed you didn't, you don't smoke today. Whatever it is, it's like, I have the choice to accept him as he is today. And so I think when I've done that, it's given me the ability to ask questions and listen for the answers. And so Matt has said to me, I'm not willing to quit today, but I am willing to make significant changes that won't impact you as much. And also like today I'm committing to having one less cigarette today, you know? And it's like, he's doing that for him. He's not doing it for me. Um, and then really quickly, the last thing I'll say, you talked about codependence. I identify codependence as spending time or wanting to be with somebody who the way that they behave or the things that they say, the things that they do, we make it mean and have a direct correlation to how we feel about ourselves. And so if somebody is so brief, if I saw you and, you're, and we're in a relationship together and you smile at me when you first see me, I'm going to, as if we're in a codependent relationship, I'm going to make that mean that you are excited to see me and you're happy and I feel loved. Mm-hmm. If you didn't smile and we were in a codependent relationship, I might tell myself the story that I have done or said something that pissed Brie off and she doesn't want to be friends with me anymore and she doesn't want to, and she doesn't want me around. And so breaking the bond of codependence is one, breaking the story of the thought that we have and having it mean something completely different because maybe it's not even about us, which is Mm -hmm. a really hard concept to gather because we are all important. Mm -hmm. But my sponsor once said to me in 12 step recovery, she said, I love you, honey, but you're not that important. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? Everything's about me. Um, But also acknowledging those relationships where we feel like we have to think less of ourselves when we're around them and, and instead creating safe and trusted relationships where we can just be ourselves. Mm. All the quirks. Yeah. Ooh, there's so much to dig into there. Let me just close the loop on this. If we weren't in a codependent relationship, what would that look like in that scenario? Yeah, for me, what it looks like today is creating, I I have my own life outside of my relationship with my boyfriend. He's just part of my life. So what it looks like for me is I don't ask permission to do things. Instead, I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to come up on Thursday, but before I come see you, these are the things that I'm going to get done for my life. As opposed to like, I don't know, I think when... I'm trying to think what else about not being in a codependent relationship. Oh, also when, he, when my boyfriend is in a bad mood, not making it mean anything about me and instead asking him what he needs. And if he's like rough and gruff and is like, <clears throat> I don't need anything. Okay, cool. I'm going to go out for a few hours, call or text me if you need anything, but I'm going to come back. And maybe when you come back, we can go for a walk or we can like do something light and fun. Cause it seems like you might need a little, little long time. And I just try to keep it light and fun. And he sends me on my way to a lot of the time too. Like, hey, I want to help you. I can, and sometimes I just name it. I'll be like, I can tell that I want to fix you right now. So I'm going to go fix myself and I'm going to go to the beach. <laughs> mm. So I think it's just like that simple acknowledgement of like letting that person who you're with have their feelings, have it not mean anything about you. And then also 
having a life outside of the relationship without being like, Hey, I'm going to get my nails done. I'll be done in an hour. Let me text you if you want me to pick up dinner. It's like, no, I mean, it's okay to like, it's okay to, if you made plans and you were doing those things, but in a, in a same breath, it's also like, am I taking care of my own needs first? And then can I help support the person that I'm with and the things that we've decided we're doing together? Mm. Oh, I love that. I'm so happy that you shared that. It's about staying in your power, right? I value myself. I have worth. I know what I bring to the table and I need to take care of me also. Not even also, but primarily, right? Yeah. It's not selfish to take care of ourselves first. And I think we often think it is. Mm-hmm. Especially in, if, if you have a codependent dynamic, it definitely feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the activity you gave everybody to ride out all these faults because it's so real and honest, right? I think mm-hmm. people try to idealize relationships and get in this place of everything needs to be perfect for them to be my, my soulmate, this, this buzzword term. Um, and I want to ask your opinion on that, but first and foremost, I just wanted to say, I appreciate how much you said, acknowledge this person's faults and don't try to change them. And like, you can see if there's, you know, wiggle room, but it's their responsibility to change, not for you to change them. Um, so what would your opinion be on people idealizing these relationships or saying, you know, I have to find this soulmate, this perfect person. Do you believe in that sort of thing? What do you think? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, back to what you just said earlier too, I think it gives us the ability to accept what, you know, we, we're not going to change the person, but we want to accept. Can we accept these characteristics that they have? You know, I, I, I do believe that I do believe in the term soulmate. However, I think it's going to be very different than I think what most people make the assumption that soulmate means in my life. What a soulmate has met is it is a, it is a person whom Uh, is a direct mirror reflection of the things that I need to see about me that I either love or would like to change. Mm. And so that person that I met 10 years ago, he was my soulmate. He was a direct reflection of the things that I needed to change in my life. Mm. And there's a lot of love that I still feel for him, but not love in the sense of wanting to be in love with him. It's more a love and a compassion for the gratitude that he, in all his dysfunction and all his love, was able to be a mirror reflection for me and then for me to be able to say, oh, wow, these are some characteristics I don't really love about myself. Mm. I think that it's really important, especially when, we, when we're coming to terms of, with manifestation is like, you know, the difference between manifestation and say a fantasy addiction is very much like you know, manifestation is like, let me set the intention for what I want, which is to be in a beautiful, loving and committed relationship. And these are characteristics that are most important to me. So one of the things I would strongly suggest in terms of journaling is writing down a list of the things that are most important to you. You know, yeah, someone who's good with their money, someone who has a solid family, someone who wants to be, have a family, whatever it is, don't apologize for it. Just Mm -hmm. write it down and then set the intention of like, One, am I these things to myself and in my life? And if I'm not, go ahead and go ahead and get the support you need around that. I think Mm. that's crucial because you, in my opinion, when you're manifesting, you can't attract those characteristics of someone that you want to call into your life in a loving and committed way if you aren't loving and committed to being those things for yourself. And then the other thing is 
also looking at fantasy addiction, which is sort of around the same feelings I described fear were earlier, right? I want what I want when I want it and I want it right now. And if I don't get it, then I'm frustrated, bitter, and angry. And now I'm just instantly attracting people who you probably don't even realize you're attracting because it's because there's some holes in that list of the characteristics that you wrote that you are not doing for yourself. And therefore the person who can see that hole is like, come here, baby, let me Mm. fill you up. Like, and as a result of that, that creates a lot of chaos, a lot of drama, a lot of confusion. And I have been in those relationships before. And so I think we, we get to choose now, do we be in, are we going to be in faith or are we going to be in fear? And are we going to manifest or are we going to fantasize? Because you can daydream and fantasize all day long. That isn't, in my opinion, going to get me any closer to being in the kind of loving and committed relationship and having the level of fulfillment in my own life. Mm. And like, I truly believe Brie that we are hardwired to love and to be loved. Mm. Um, However, but it's not any, it's not in terms of anything for love, right? It's like, how do I prioritize what I need and what I want? And let me fill the holes of the things that, that feel unfulfilling. And then the person who I can be with will, will come into my life. But really quickly, um, and then I'll have to wrap, is like I, I wanted to share too that I'm, you know, I think often people, people think that, oh, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. It'll come back to me. It will come back. I'm sure it will. And you've given us so many, so many big takeaways. I especially love how much you're teaching self-responsibility and healing first to prepare you for a relationship that's aligned and, and fulfilling, not seeking somebody else to fill you up, right? Yeah. So beautiful. I think it's crucial. I think it's been one of the things that has taken me a long time to learn. And it's something that I practice every day. It's just asking myself a simple question, like, what do I need mm. um, so that I can get the kind of love that I really want, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Katie, this has been amazing. Can you hear my puppy in the background? No. Oh, okay. This mic must be, guys, I'm actually using my, my partner has a podcast. It's great. He's letting me use his setup. So this doesn't pick up on puppy noises, which is awesome. (laughs) She's whining at my feet. She's very needy. Um, This has been so good, Katie. Thank you so much. Can I ask you three key questions I like to ask all my guests? Please. Amazing. What is a book that you would recommend to the listeners? Oh, I am reading a book right now called Attached. And I would highly recommend Attached. Love it. That, wait, I'm going to throw in another one. Glennon Doyle's Untamed. You want to talk about real? She kept it real in that book. It's her best book by far. Untamed. It's so funny. You... Penelope is whining in the background. I can hear her now. Okay, (laughs) you heard that one. (laughs) So funny you mentioned that. I've had it come up four times in the last two weeks, and I don't even know who she is, so I'm going to buy it today. I need to get it. Wonderful. What is the first thing that you do in the morning to get your day in a good vibe? So I meditate in bed first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I just recently listened to a podcast about moving your body for the first time in the morning, and I'm going to – I'm going to try to do that this week and see how it feels differently, but I have been meditating. It's a nice, subtle way to get out of bed. Mm, I love that. What is a piece of advice 
that you wish you could give to the version of yourself a year ago? Mm. It's a thinker. You're farther <laughs> along than you think you are. Mm. I love farther that. along than you think you are. I would add to that, like, you're going to be okay. Beautiful. I love it. Katie, if listeners are loving your vibe, which I'm sure they are, and they want more from you, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can check me out on Instagram, kg.katiegrimes. You can also check me out on Anything for Love, which is my podcast. And you can find that in Spotify, iTunes. And then lastly, my website, katiegrimes.com. There's links to some courses and private coaching that I have and things of that nature. Um, So you can go from there. Amazing. And you guys know you can find me on Instagram at Building Bree. My all my courses online are buildingbree.com. If you loved this episode, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Your five-star reviews help us so much. And if you'd like to screenshot this, tag Katie and I on Instagram and uh, put it on your story and let us know that you listened. Katie, we thank love you. That. Yeah, I love it too. I like to repost everybody. I'm sure you do too. So yeah, Katie, thank you for being here. This was wonderful and I will see you soon. Great girl. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. All right. Love.